Firm Foundation is an outreach of the Primitive Baptist Churches of DeKalb County. New Bildad Primitive Baptist Church meets in the Seven Springs community on New Bildad Road each Sunday morning at 10.30, Sunday night at 6, and Wednesday night at 6.30. The Mount View Primitive Baptist Church meets in the Shiny Rock community on Old Blue Springs Road each Sunday morning at 10.30. Your speaker today is Elder Ricky Arnold, pastor at the Mount View Church. I'd like to turn our attentions to Isaiah chapter 40. 
We'll read verses 1, 2, and 3. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Verse 3 is obviously a prophecy concerning John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So verses 1 and 2 speak to us of the coming gospel dispensation. Under the law service, we have a holy God that gave a holy law, and we're anything but holy and unable to keep God's law. So the truth is, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Now there's a lot of preaching that wants to scare God's people. But the truth of the matter, that's not in keeping with what the Word said. We can find comfort and hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done. That comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry that her warfare is accomplished. The victory's been won. The battle's been won. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, end of the chapter, verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your work is not in your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, what did the Apostle Paul tell us? He's been talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ all through the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is a victory over death and the grave. He says, O death. Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? We've been given a victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our warfare has been accomplished. The conquering of our sin and, our, and death and hell was accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not through my effort, not through man's effort, but through the grace of God and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Make no mistake about that. In the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, let's examine what the Lord Himself prayed. In the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, that Jesus Himself is praying before He goes to the cross of Calvary. Now let's understand. In chapter 17, starting at verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now understand, Jesus Christ had all the glory of heaven before he ever came here. Yeah. 
He says, now I'm going to be glorified again as I was before because he's going to finish the work that God the Father gave him to do. What was that work? Understand that Jesus Christ has power over all flesh. Whether you understand or whether you agree or whether you believe whatever, who's in charge of this world is Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about that. Jesus Christ is, has power over all flesh. But now what does it say? That he should give eternal life to as many as the Father has given him. Who did he come to give eternal life to? All that the Father gave him. Now let's understand something about this. Go back to the book of Zechariah, a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ, hundreds of years before he ever came. That in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, Listen to what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot out of, from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bowl shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from river even unto the ends of the earth. As for thee also, by, thy, by the blood of thy covenant, I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit wherein is no water, Turn you to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope, even to the day do I declare that I will render double unto thee. Now what did our text say? He's going to render double for all our sins. More than we, more than we deserve by far. And it says, how is your king going to come? He's going to come riding on the colt, the foal of an ass. He's going to come riding on a little donkey into Jerusalem. That's exactly how Jesus Christ came into the city of Jerusalem, riding on the colt, the foal of an ass. And they said, Hosanna in the highest. They praised God as he rode in because he, they knew who he was. And the Pharisees said, hear what, thou say, what they say. He, and Jesus told them, if they were to be silent, the rocks would cry out because he is the king of kings. And he's coming to have victory. He's coming for one purpose. And it says here that the prisoners have been set free. That's you and I, brothers and sisters. We're set free from the penalty of sin and death because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And this is what this is talking about. And he says that the blood of his covenant. Now, covenant is an agreement. What is a co the covenant's agreement? This is not agreement between sinners and God. This is, a, this is an agreement. This is a covenant between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hebrews will refer to this as the everlasting covenant. This was made before the world was. God knew what he came to do. Jesus Christ knew what he came to do. And it was his blood... It was his blood that was going to pay the penalty for our sins. Somebody had to pay the debt. Somebody had to take the punishment for what you and I deserved. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Has anybody ever taken the punishment for you? 
Well, the Lord Jesus Christ did. And dear children, that's... Now, the blood of thy covenant. The blood of thy covenant was pointed to from the very beginning. Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and I want one verse. Verse 20. Now, Adam has transgressed God's law. Adam willfully disobeyed God. And what happened when Adam willfully disobeyed God? God drove him out. That Adam and his wife were naked, and they tried to cover their nakedness by sewing fig leaves together. It didn't work. Now here's a picture that I want you to see from the very beginning of time. Verse uh, 21. It says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Here's a picture of what God is going to do for his people. You cannot make coats out of animal skins unless you're willing to shed the blood of that animal. And God the Father is demonstrating that He's going to shed the blood necessary to cover our nakedness, to cover our sin. Who's going to pay the penalty? He was, through blood. God is sending that signal right there. And for time's sake, I won't read there. You look in the book of Exodus. Uh, over in chapter 12 and it talks about the Passover. You know, all the plagues that came upon Egypt. All of the things that they saw. And what happened? The last one was the death of the firstborn. That God is going to bring death and destruction on the land of Egypt. And He says to the children of Israel, you take a lamb without spot and without blemish and enough for each household and you take the blood of that lamb and you paint the blood upon each doorpost on each side and across the top. And God said, where I see the blood, I'll pass by. And destruction won't come to you. He's pointing to the blood of Jesus Christ. The only hope that we're going to stay out of eternal torment is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not about what man has the ability to do because man has no ability. Look, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. So listen to what this says. But Christ being an high priest of good things to come by greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Jesus Christ. Now, the blood of all those sacrifices in the Old Testament didn't pay for one sin. But Jesus Christ by the shedding of His own blood, died on the cross of Calvary that you and I might go free. He obtained eternal redemption for us. It's not a possibility. It's not a, it's not a wishful thought. It's a reality. Now, let's, let's go on a little further. For if the blood of, go- of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal Spirit who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, did you understand that? Jesus Christ did not die and offer himself to you. He didn't offer himself to me. He offered himself to God for us. And there's a big difference. Because God the Father is the one who's offended by your sins and mine. 
God the Father is the one who had to be satisfied and the only one who could do that was Jesus Christ. And God accepted that sacrifice. Verse 15, And for this cause He is the mediator of a New Testament, that by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, the only one who could make peace between you and I and God the Father was God the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, right on down in this same ninth chapter of Hebrews, verse 22, And almost all things are by the law are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Unless somebody's going to pay the penalty, there's no remission of sins. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with things, with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God. Jesus Christ didn't enter into the old temple. He didn't enter into the things made by man and go through the ceremonial sacrifices. See, those priests under the law would sacrifice year after year after year and then pay for one sin. Jesus Christ went in before God with His own blood and said, Here's the payment nor yet that he should offer himself often as the priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others, for then must he oft have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus Christ entered in once because it'll never have to be done again. The payment's made. A redemption has been obtained. Now, I hear... I hear a lot of things that try to scare people. Now, dear children, I want you to understand this sermon's about comfort. And God's Word to give comfort to the poor sinner who needs a Savior. Now, it says, I've heard this quoted over and over and over and over. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, everybody is under the fear that they're going to be judged by their works. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm going to be judged by my works, I don't have any hope. Amen. What's that talking about? Let's go to the book of Revelations, chapter 20, starting at verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And dear children, everyone that's not a child of God, everyone that's not written in the Lamb's book of life, which was written before the world ever began, every one of them are judged according to their works. People say, oh, Baptists, when you talk about predestination, they say, I don't believe God predestinated anybody to torment. Amen. Everybody's going to torment. It's going there because of their works. But those that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, look at the next verse where we're at in Hebrews. Verse 27 says, As it appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment... 
So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Dear children, we are judged eternally by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If he didn't pay for our sins, then we don't have any hope. But he says he's going to appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Dear children, let's see what did Jesus himself say. What does the, what does the Bible say about Jesus and his work himself? In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, The angel appeared unto Joseph and said, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. For she shall, positive declaration, she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What did the angels declare unto the shepherds abiding in the field when Jesus was born? For unto you is born this day, this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Now, let me ask you the question. What does the word Savior mean? It means one who saves or delivers. Alright, y'all kids like pizza? What if you called pizza place and said, deliver us a big pizza, a large. What do you like, supreme, meat lovers, pepperoni? And they said, we can only meet you halfway. The rest is up to you. How many would hang up and call somebody else? I want a deliverer that can deliver all the way, Brother Ronnie. I want to deliver and get the job done. Jesus Christ, it's the angel declared, He's Savior. He's one that saves and delivers. And He delivered His people from the penalty of hell and death. Now, what did Jesus Himself say? In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me. Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. But... I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. How many did Je What did Jesus Christ say he was going to lose? Nothing. You hear people trying to scare people to death to stay out of torment. But Jesus Christ said he wasn't going to lose any. Now how many is that? Thousands times thousands times thousands that no man can number. Now Jesus goes on in verse 44. He says, no man, can, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Now this whole chapter from 35 and maybe a little before is talking about Jesus is telling that salvation rests upon him and upon him alone. And you can't come unless God calls you and you can't do this because you can't pay the penalty. And come down to verse 16, it says, And many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? They didn't want to hear that they wasn't something important enough to have a part of what they could do. When Jesus said, This is on my shoulders. It's not on your shoulders. It's up to me. You can't come 
and you can't save yourself. It's up to me. I said, I don't hear that. Man hadn't changed a lot. Now, did Jesus soften his message? Listen to what it says. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? And what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. He didn't back up a bit, Brother Ronnie. He declared the same thing all over, Brother Jimmy. You can't come unless I draw you. You can't have life unless I give it. You can't be saved unless I pay the penalty. It's Jesus' work. It's going to populate heaven. Understand what this said. He's not just talking about Judas Iscariot. He'll go ahead and tell you. He, he tells you that he knew that Judas was a devil from the beginning. But he says, But there are some of you that believe not. That's Jesus' words. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were. They is plural. If he's only talking about Judas, he'd have said, he'd have said he. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His. Jesus Christ knew everyone that He was going to die for. And if you love the Lord, and you see yourself in need of a Savior, that's an evidence He's worked in your heart and He died for you. That's God's work. Let me wrap this up. Jesus on the cross of Calvary says in the 19th chapter of John, knowing this, that all things are now accomplished. He said, it is finished. Now, brothers and sisters, I believe the work of redemption and the payment for our sins was finished right there. Amen. There's nothing else to be done. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Let me wait on that last verse. What that say? Every child of God that has died, their spirit and their soul goes back to God. And when the Lord Jesus comes back, He's going to bring those spirits with Him. And He's going to cry, and every one of the graves are going to burst open. And every one of those people right out there in that cemetery is going to get up. Every one of them. And those that are His, Brother Ronnie, going to have a glorified body that will never grow old again. And then we're going to meet, then if we're living when He comes back, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to be changed, he says, in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. You're going to be changed, little Ronnie, because you can't go looking like that. But neither can I.
Where do we begin this sermon? Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Knowing the victory that has come through the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He paid for our sins, knowing that He's coming back to get us. Brother Ronnie, last verse, Wherefore comfort one another with these words, I'm comforted by the finished work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Thank you for listening. You may write to the Firm Foundation in care of Ricky Arnold, 328 R. Arnold Road, Smithville, Tennessee, 37166. And until next time, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you is my prayer.